Hi, I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. You know, we've been discussing topics which are crucial for making the most of the college application and admissions process on a weekly basis now for nearly four months. And we've covered a lot of ground, but virtually all of that ground has been tied to public and private nonprofit colleges and universities, you know, traditional schools. So I'd like to take a moment this week to just examine the for-profit education sector a bit and to provide some clarity as to how the three main formats of post-secondary schools compare, and in particular, what you need to know when considering a for-profit school, because there really are some differences which are quite significant. So let's jump in and just take a closer look. All right, I'm going to put this right up front for you. For-profit educational institutions have cropped up everywhere, and along with them, some of the worst cases of academic misrepresentation, corruption, and ethical abuse. Now, I'm not saying there isn't value in for-profit educational institutions. There is. But I am saying that there is ample reason to be on guard. The vast majority of high-profile corruption cases in higher education occur in the for-profit sector. That said, some for-profit schools offer outstanding value and deliver well on their promises. Many do an exceptional job in areas like tech, the trades, and professional training. So they are definitely worth considering, depending upon your particular area of interest. All right, just so we're all on the same page, let me go over the difference in format between the various kinds of schools you may wish to explore. Now, first up is the classic public university. I'm talking about the University of Illinois, UCLA, Western Michigan University, Murray State University. You get the idea. These are all public, nonprofit institutions. A few more clarifying points on the three categories. We have a category most people simply call private universities or colleges. Here, I'm talking about schools like Harvard, Washington University in St. Louis, Rice, Vanderbilt, McKendree University, Milliken, Northwestern University, and the University of Chicago. Now, you cannot always determine whether a school is public or private on the basis of its naming convention. While it is generally true that most schools with a state name or a directional reference in them are public, it isn't always true. For example, years ago, I was not aware that Northwestern was a private school. It sounded like a public school, right? You might think, all right, that's Northwestern, it's in Illinois, it's probably public, but it's not. It's private. It's one of the finest private schools in the country. I had similar confusion over the University of Southern California. So both are private institutions, private nonprofit institutions. That's an important distinction. Think of them as private counterparts to schools like the University of Illinois, Florida, Texas, or Mizzou. What makes both public and private nonprofit schools quite different from their for-profit counterparts is in how they use their revenue. Nonprofit schools all have, as a crucial part of their mission and their strategy, this idea that free cash flows, or the money that's left after they've paid the bills, should be used to improve the quality of their faculty, strengthen their curriculum, and instructional offerings. It should also be used to fund research and improve facilities overall. Now, in a for profit model, the interests of the shareholders, or the investors, is often quite different from that. 
And by the way, the shareholders and investors' interest always comes first in a for-profit institution. So because they are for-profit, the profitability becomes the most crucial driver of their strategy. Now, does this mean that the quality of instruction cannot be first-rate? No, not at all. It means that recruitment of faculty, development of delivery of curriculum, and other priorities may be viewed through a very different set of lenses. Now, factually speaking, some bodies of knowledge are really quite absolute, and they require far less expansive discussion and exploration. You might imagine this to be the case in the preparation for certain trades, technology fields, or professional services. It isn't to suggest that those courses of study are less important or less challenging. Not at all. It is simply to suggest that they may have firmer boundaries, more easily defined edges than, say, a course examining theoretical physics, mathematics, or even something which may appear to have a crisp, clean border, like history. Each of these subjects has ongoing research in order to grow what we might consider to be the body of human understanding, simply for the sake of knowing and for its relative application across an array of disciplines in ways not always clearly understood by the students or the teachers. Now, consider a course in air conditioning repair or welding. Both require real expertise and a deep understanding of the state of those arts. But those lessons are given with the express intent of qualifying the student for a place in the workforce. And even in the more academic-oriented for-profit institutions, there is often an emphasis on obtaining a credential for the benefit of employment or employment advancement. And there's nothing wrong with any of this. While employment or preparation for career in the professions is certainly on the to-do list for most college students, it is not the express purpose of a non-profit institution of higher learning to, quote, get you employed in a particular field. There are many equally valid reasons for attending college than employment alone, and those institutions recognize that in their structural format. So, what of for-profit institutions? Some of the first you may have heard of going back a few decades are the University of Phoenix, DeVry University, Strayer University, Tennessee Tech University, Colorado Technical University, and Florida National University. Now, these are all solid schools where students receive excellent instruction, and there are hundreds more. One distinction in many, if not most, for-profit institutions is that they tend to deliver the bulk of their curriculum through an online format. And while this is not in and of itself an impediment to a robust and rigorous learning environment, statistically, students, even full-time students of for-profit institutions, tend to take much longer to complete their degrees and with much lower graduation rates. For example, in the typical nonprofit, private college or university, the graduation rate within six years averages about 67%, whereas that rate is about 61% in nonprofit, public colleges and universities. But in for-profit institutions, that rate drops to about 25%, which is actually a very significant drop from what we see in both public and private nonprofits. Now, to explain the difference, we might look at commitment 
or the proximity to other similarly motivated students, or the possibility of a broader set of expectations from the college experience than employment alone. Or it could be the tendency for students in traditional college pursuits and maybe more clearly engaged in the pursuit of their education and not quite so commingled with other activities. I mean, think of it. If you're in an online curriculum, entirely online, that means you've got a lot of other things going on in your life, right? You're at home in most cases. Uh, you know, you're running your life. You're Maybe you're working at the same time. So there are some competitive activities which commingle with the education process and may lead to a lower graduation rate within that six-year period. While most students do attend for-profit schools online, not all do. Now, many for-profit institutions have a hybrid attendance model, just like many of our public schools are experiencing right now in this COVID era. But to be clear, the typical student is almost always completing the vast majority of their coursework in the online format. And these days, with the proliferation of COVID-19, so are many students in traditional colleges and universities. However, it's worth noting that in normal times, while most traditional schools do offer online curriculum as an option, the vast majority of students at these schools are attending in person. Now, there is something else that I think is really important and, and valuable for you to understand when considering a for-profit school, and that is accreditation. There are basically two flavors, two primary flavors of accreditation, national and regional. Now, just to be clear, accreditation is basically a qualifying certification process that these schools submit to. Think of it almost like uh, a kind of standard, okay? If, if you're going to um, practice law, you are almost certainly going to be a member of the bar. That might be the state bar association in which you're practicing. If you're going to be a plumber, you are almost certainly going to be certified um, by uh, some state association or organization that certifies um, that you know enough to provide services to your clientele. Um, if you're going to cut hair, you know, in virtually every state that I know of, you have to be licensed to do that. If you want to practice dentistry, here again, there's a, a certification, there's a credential that you obtain. And so schools are no different. They have to obtain this accreditation. And the, the schools that do this, um, you know, which is effectively every school that you would want to attend, um, will either be accredited on a national basis or a regional basis. Now, as counterintuitive as it may seem, regional accreditation is actually held in higher regard to the extent that it can be extremely difficult to transfer credits from a nationally accredited school to a regionally accredited school. If you're seeking a good for-profit college, I really recommend very strongly that you start by seeking for-profit colleges that are regionally accredited. Additionally, you will want to make certain that the accreditation body is a legitimate one. So again, I encourage you to dig a bit deeper than you might typically dig when considering the legitimacy of a traditional nonprofit public or private institution. You know, the last thing you want is for your hard work and hard-earned cash to evaporate with the school you chose or beneath a less-than-credible reputation. Because for all you will learn at the school of your choice, there is also real value in that institution's reputation. 
Now, I've talked a lot about fit in our podcast series and how important it is. In fact, I think it is the most important, if not the only thing that truly matters when selecting a school. It absolutely trumps prestige. Uh, it It trumps cost. It trumps location. Fit is what you want to look for. But having said that, I will also say that there is value, real value, in the stability of the institution to which you will matriculate. And I think that as you consider your for-profit options, make sure you're dealing with a stable institution that's going to be here and that's going to have a good reputation. Bottom line, depending upon your interests and your circumstances, you may absolutely find benefit in the consideration of a for-profit post-secondary institution of higher learning. But be aware of the increased potential for some significant downsides and investigate thoroughly before making that commitment. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, I'll be exploring financial aid options for lower-income families, including something called QuestBridge, which is a unique funding source for hardworking, talented students who aspire to attend some of the nation's most highly selective colleges and universities, but who happen to come from lower-income backgrounds. Remember, our episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Alexa. And we drop on Tuesdays of each week and always enjoy hearing from our listeners at info at journey12.com. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel. As we head deeper into the flu season and rapidly increasing era of COVID-19, please stay safe, stay healthy, and make yours a worthwhile journey.